Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another episode of the Horror Express. And tonight we're doing The Reanimator, a 1985 film uh, directed by Stuart Gordon, and it's based on the H.P. Lovecraft story, Herbert West Reanimator. It stars Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott and Barbara Crampton. Um, Before we get into the movie, uh, which we have a lot to say about, I just want to give Joel the floor because I know, Joel, you have a Kickstarter coming up, and I wanted you to give you a couple of moments to to just mention that to people. Oh, yeah, sure. We're, we're doing the round two Kickstarter for Lone Wolf Fist. First one actually did pretty good. Uh, I set the funding goal a little too high on that one because I want to do an offset print run. We're going to do a print on demand now, so it's going to be a much smaller scope, but the same amount of ass kicking. So if you wanted to get a copy of Lone Wolf Fist, uh, PDF or print version, uh, it's happening this this uh, coming up December. Um, yeah, I wish I had a better ending than, yeah, that's fine. That's That's fine. But it's very much in line with what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's a different genre, but it's kind of the same. There's similarity, I think, in terms of the tone. Extremely pulled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So Reanimator came out in 1985. It's based on the HP Lovecraft story. And it's about a guy who has this thing called the reagent, which is this like neon green, liquid that he injects into the brains of dead patients and revives them but they become more like uncontrollable lunatic zombies than than anything else except in a few cases which we'll talk about and it's also kind of set against like a a weird love triangle involving a young doctor who serves as sort of the igor of the story and (laughs) sort of the old stuffy doctor who's kind of like an elite new england type guy and the barbara crampton character and and it and it all tightly fits together. I was amazed rewatching it just how I mean it's only what like 128 minutes or something like it's a really yeah. short movie. Yeah. But I think that that works in its favor because you end up with this tightly edited story that uh like one scene flows in the next and every I I rewatched it three times for this this show. And the thing I kept noticing was wow, the cat scene came this early. And then right after the cat scene is this scene. And like every scene that has to happen happens in sequence from, uh, you know, another essential scene. There's not really any, there's there's no fat to this movie, I feel. I feel like it has a lot of, it's very efficient in its storytelling. And it's, I don't know, very sharp and clever. And I think Jeffrey Combs is Herbert West is, uh, I don't know, he's just really good in this role. Yeah. He's this is the perfect casting. So, like he really he devours this role. Uh, he's he, because he's both over the top and utterly deadpan in a way I've never seen an he, actor do before or since. I, I want to get into your reactions, but just since we've gone into this territory, what works for me is he's impatient. He's like dedicated to this one task and hyper focused about it. But he's like, I don't know, there's this, he, I had a teacher in second grade named Mr. Woolley, and he's like exactly, exactly like Mr. Woolley. This, <laughs> there's like this, this, this streak of anger beneath the, beneath like uh-huh. the surface. This impatience yeah. with everyone around him at all times. Yeah. And, and, and just this total <laughs> lack of regard for the context of every, you know, like, 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 like something really it's not the right moment to be reanimating a dead body, but he's so hell bent on this task that he just, he, he's willing to, to, to risk everything to, to, to make the attempt at that time when he shouldn't be doing it. You know, it's that kind well, of a thing. It's, 
There's something too that's that's just interesting about him simultaneously being utterly immoral, but at the same time he's judgmental and has there's yeah. some there's some kind of weird alien principles to him, like you know that that uh, it's just it's just it's just fascinating. He's just this really just endlessly entertaining character. He, he has a morality, I think. Yeah, I feel like he, I mean not... he has a purely academic morality though, because he hates plagiarism. Yeah, like that's yeah he hates that more than any evil that he encounters is just not being a good scientist. Yeah. And he cares about he cares about uh, his own reputation, even though he doesn't care about it in a lot of ways like he doesn't care if you think he's a murderer or that you think that he's rude or you know too blunt or if you killed his if he killed your cat but he cares that that he is attached to this breakthrough in science because when the um when the dr hill character basically says i'm going to take your discovery you get that close-up of his eyes and he's tearing up like he's getting all emotional that's like the one time you see him show that kind of an emotion um, mm -hmm. but yeah, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I think, I think he does. And also he, he never hurt. I mean, he does things indirectly that hurt him, but he, he never, he never hurts the, uh, the Dan Kane character. Do you know what I mean? He, he seems to like throughout aside from kill his cat. No, no. That's why I said indirectly. Emotional pain. <laughs> no, it's indirectly. He, and, and we should get into the question later. Did he kill the cat? Did he not kill the cat? But I think there's a lot of evidence that he did and we could for, for this moment of the discussion, I think we can assume that. Um, Cat dead. Details later. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but his sense of humor. The other thing about that character yeah. just got this really biting sense of humor, and also also the scorn he has for uh for uh for Doctor Hill and his his attraction to uh, Barbara <laughs> Crampton's character too. Just the way yeah, he just yeah. is amused at that. It's just it's so. Yeah, everything about this character. There's just so much depth to it for, the, he, he, for just this, this this schlock movie we're reviewing. It's so perfect. Well, he do, like he does have lines, you know. He has these, and, it, and I don't know how you could map them out. But like also at the lecture when he takes umbrage at the doctor poisoning the minds of these, you know, he obviously cares about <laughs> yes. how th those students are being impacted. So his repeated pencil breaking yeah. is just one of the funniest things in a movie ever. The second time he breaks that pen, just like, well, oh, and and Doctor Hill's line of you know, Mister West, I suggest you get yourself a pen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the, but uh, but yeah, so so why don't? Well, I'm sure we'll get back into Herbert West and his character and the performance, but yeah. Uh, how you guys feel about this movie? And was this your first time seeing it? When was your first time seeing it? Uh, uh, let me go first this time. I, I haven't been first in, at least since last time. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, this is not the first time I saw it. This is, let me see. I think it's only the second time, though. Because I saw this after actually avoiding the movie for a long time, like I got into Lovecraft back when I first started getting into like uh, D and D and role playing games. Like it kind of went on the tales of learning stuff like Call of Cthulhu and it's referenced a lot in old world of darkness stuff. And uh, I just, I had some friends who were like, Oh man, you got to read HP Lovecraft. And I started with the mountains of madness. And so that's kind of the, the entry drug <laughs> to Lovecraft that will make you a huge Lovecraft snob. Uh, because I think Call of Cthulhu was a touch pulpier, and a lot of his stuff, like mm -hmm. even uh, Herbert West Reanimator, 
is a little bit unusual for Lovecraft. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's a lot pulpier in a way that's kind of out of character he, for him. He didn't like writing it, from what I heard. He he was yeah, he did it for the money basically. It was it was intended as a parody of Frankenstein, and uh, and he was but he was under constraints that he didn't like. Um, sure, and and there are like elements to it that are like actually kind of absurd and and I, I, it's hard to read Lovecraft sometimes. But I want to say. <laughs> humorous and i don't yeah. mean read is in like read i mean read is in uncomprehend yeah. uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone but i i was a lovecraft snob is the the basic line of this and so i avoided this movie for a long time because its reputation mm -hmm. as not really being that this great inheritor of the lovecraft legacy and then i sort of just kind of got older and softened a lot about that kind of pure uh, purism uh and i went to see it uh, I think it was on Netflix. It's just at one point I was like, oh, you know, I never saw this movie. I'm going to watch it. And I instantaneously loved it. Uh, I think Holmes, again, going back to that guy, like it's not that he carries the movie because everyone puts in a great, yeah. strong performance in this movie yeah. and there's really good practical effects. And like, but man, he really charms you into watching this whole movie. And I'm glad I did because... And like actually rewatching it this time is again, I think only the second time I've ever seen it. Um, it hits all the beats that the original short stories did. Cause I think it was actually several stories that were strung together. It was but chapters. Like, it was like five chapters. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they, they were published uniquely as chapters. And then they like, they, they made a broader it was, story. It was serialized in a magazine. I think yeah. Yeah. Was. That's, okay. that's the term I'm groping for. Thank you, Adam. And it was, yeah. um, and the plot, and actually if you watch the sequels, they kind of bring in some more of the material. So you get all of the beats like like oh, some cool. of the stuff that unfolds happens a little differently here and they miss the whole part of them going to war and all that stuff but mm -hmm. um but you know so there are things missing but uh well, right the the details are missing but like the structural beats are all almost mm -hmm. identical and it's really yeah, impressive yeah, yeah. They even keep some of the goofier parts of the story, like the within the headless corpse puts on a plastic head. Well, and this is that. and this is a horror comedy, we should say. So that you know that yeah. Uh, is, Adam, what was your reaction to the movie? Uh, well, I will say first of all, I agree with everything everyone said so far. And I mean, as far as the performances in here, one of the things it, it hasn't come with Puppet Master actually. I commented during the Puppet Master review how it was really good pulp acting. Everyone yeah. was these heightened kind of pulpy characters. This movie has that, and it's also. I mean, it's perfectly 80s in a way, too. I mean, like the Dean, he is just the 80s yeah. college movie Dean. It's like he he just could have wandered in from the set of some 80s college comedy, you know, that was going on. You know, you're just dealing with the fraternity yeah. that was getting out of hand. And You know what happens you know, to him? He goes from being the Dean to being Rodney Dangerfield by the end of the movie. That's like the, <laughs> the span of his character. His yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone is dead perfect. I mean... And, and, you know, and like, you know, the, the Bruce Abbott is, the, is Dan Kane, who's the everyman kind of yeah. ordinary character. It's like he's really good at doing that. It's like I mean, it's easy to kind of overlook him. When, oh, but he, yeah, he just kind of nails that. Barbara Crampton's great. Yeah. It's just, and I, you know, I mean, it's just it's just, yeah, every every single person in this movie is just pitch perfect at doing this kind of B movie mm -hmm. acting. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I really I, once again, you did ask the question, when did we first see this movie was the first time? This is not the first time. I will, so I will go into my history with it. I, I saw it back shortly after it came out, kind of around the time it would have first hit videotape. I, I rented it. And I, I'd recently started playing Call of Cthulhu 
And I don't think I'd actually read any Lovecraft. I actually played the RPG before I ever read any Lovecraft. A friend of mine picked it up and he ran it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I did. I hadn't acquired the snobbery <laughs> of, about Lovecraft yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, tonally, this is not a lot like Lovecraft. But I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say it's not as... It's it's not as completely far off from Lovecraft as I think some other things are, just because there is kind of a weird, a weird cosmic nihilism to it that is actually in tone. Like I said, I don't think Lovecraft would appreciate the uh, sexual content and graphic violence to an extent, but it's not, it's not totally philosophically that far from from something that could happen in the Lovecraftian universe. So, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't seen this movie since probably the early 90s, and it, it completely held up for me. I, 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 it just, yeah, it is just a, a fast, quick, well-paced movie. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great movie. I, I, um, I first saw it in, I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been in second or third grade because it came out in 85, and I saw it on video at my friend Jason's yeah. house like as soon as it came out. And, and again, I think... There was more of a delay back then when things came. Like there was often like a nine month waiting period mm-hmm. before something would come out. So maybe it was closer to eighty six. I don't know, but it had a profound impact on me. I think because number one, I was in second or third grade when I would have yeah. seen it. You know, I was young. Yeah. But number two, it was the first. I think it was the first like horror comedy that I had really seen, and uh, it was also, and I was probably no, I was probably third or fourth grade, and it was it was it was also there was something very disturbing to me about uh, the scene with the head and the, the kind of <laughs> scene. Uh, that was one that stuck out in my head, but also the, um, the scene where the bowels explode yeah. from the body. And, yeah. and, and, and again, in the sequel, we find out he doesn't die, but in this, it looks like he dies. And I assumed for ages he died. And then the fact that Barbara Crampton's character dies at the end too. I found, I found like the, like you said, there is like a nihilism, running through the movie yeah. but it also because i wasn't accustomed to horror comedy it was a little bit like being in the room with sociopaths for the first time because i was watching all this <laughs> horrific stuff happen but yeah. there was a comedic tone to it and there was also this just flagrant disregard of like any 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 level of decency that you would expect where like the head scene you know it's like you know like well they're, they're, it, and so you got the you you got the sense that the, and it was done in a way that filmmakers had command of what they were doing but the result of watching it as a kid was just like you know what am i watching what is going on and so it had a really big impact on me and and uh and and it became something that me and my group would watch a lot like we we would rent it all the time and watch it and i and i and i think largely for the scene with like the the head and the bowels those are like the two big beats (laughs) that everybody kind of reacted to um and 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 but i hadn't seen it in a long time i probably hadn't seen it like you since the 90s at least and yeah it really does hold up i'm i'm uh in fact i i wasn't aware that it, it had such a stellar reputation i i always thought of it as like a schlocky goofy b-movie and 
it's apparently that's got... the thing. All the respected critics of the time, like Ebert and Janet Maslin, and like all all of those big critics loved this movie, which is yeah, which is which I had amazing. no idea. I had no yeah. idea about that, and so I was surprised to find that out. I was also surprised at you know how good of a movie it was because I just remembered the really outrageous aspects to it. I didn't remember how tightly woven it was. How you know just. For the kind of movie, it's like a masterful B movie is sort of what it is. It's like it's definitely yeah. it's doing B movie stuff, but it's doing it in a way that's just so much better than than normal. Which maybe yeah. that's also why it stuck with me all these years. Where, um, so yeah, I, I I thought it was a, a, you know, it's a terrific film, and and also I had no I when I saw it I didn't know who Lovecraft was. I didn't even know it was a Lovecraft story until ages <laughs> later. Like it never. And I read Lovecraft, but I never came across the Reanimator until like you know a few years ago. You know what I mean? And I don't think I even read it properly until like a year, you know, like like very recently. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's 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 an it's a it's a it's a really good movie. And uh, I don't know what, what um, I, I guess we should take this by subject. Why don't we Why don't we tackle the most controversial thing first? The music. Because the music's great, the music really sets the stage for the movie. It, it, it. I feel like it captures the insanity of Herbert. Like I can imagine all of the melody being, like the the energy driving Herbert West's thoughts as he's frantically trying to reanimate these corpses. Do you know what I mean? It just it just works with with what's going on. But uh, but obviously it's really close to the the music from Psycho. And a lot of people have commented on that. This is not anything that we're observing. This is something that it's a long discussion. And most people, I think, and Adam, I think you're muted, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I was saying it's obvious. There's yeah. just, yeah, it's, there's no question about it that it's, yeah. So I guess the first question is is this a ripoff of Psycho? And if so, you know, <laughs> does it still work? once you recognize it, like if that's the case, like does that take away from it or is it really not a problem? Uh, it's definitely noticeable. Um, I don't know. I really liked, I liked the, the music in psycho. I still liked it here. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it's pretty derivative. I, I guess you could call it a tribute or like a remix or something, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's the area I was born in. I, I don't really care. <laughs> like as yeah, long as the music works, that's a lot more important to me than is it original. The composer yeah. says that it's an homage, and I think that's where the debate lies. Is is this an homage or is this a ripoff? I mean, it's functionally identical, so I wouldn't call this an homage. I, I would definitely call this a ripoff if I were going to go into that territory. But yeah, it works though. I mean, I, I I'm not saying that it wasn't a bad ripoff. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm saying I I never had a problem with. It. I mean, the music in this is really effective. I mean, yeah. that just basically the, the beginning scene with the I gave him life and it goes into the theme music <laughs> and the credits start rolling. It's like that is just per pitch perfect. Yeah. It, it absolutely works at that moment. You're like, yeah, you're ready for the roller coaster ride of this movie at that point. So I. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people can get into the, the legal arguments of that if they want to, but no, yeah, it's, it's, I, I it's, mean, the music's effective. Well, it, for me, it, it kind of occupies that same space where, uh, like the Ghostbusters theme, where people like are like, draw lines of comparison between that and um, that the one, one who was a Huey Lewis song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drug. But like they they 
those songs feel very different to me and they land very differently yeah. and, and kind of similar to this. Like this is sort of used in the same way to give a sort of like an energy and, and a forward propulsion to what's going on. But I feel like the manic element of it is more apparent here. Whereas in yeah. Psycho, it's more about the driving to the next plot point yeah. element that comes out in it. So having been a fan of both movies and the score in both movies, even though again, they're functionally identical, you note different aspects of them because of what you're watching to accompany them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and also, I mean, as a fan of wuxia movies, where they often just take music from <laughs> other films, I think I think yeah. it's fine if you take if you just take music, it's fine because because it, it can be the right sound for what you need. In this case, I feel like I don't. I mean, I think I I tried listening to them back to back. It's actually really hard to just listen back to back and say, mm. is it a you know? And then I was I would need to, I would almost need to see the notes or I would need to play it on an instrument and figure out where the differences actually are. But I will say this: I think that this is an improvement on the Psycho score. I think that this is actually better than the original psycho score because it's mm. tighter. I think I think I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of meandering and drift in the psycho score and the lack of tightness and this brings it all in. I think this is just generally more effective. I do think it's derivative. I think he, he he gets he, have he gets a lot of angry Bernard yeah, Herman fans he get, he writing gets, in here. <laughs> well, he gets really close up to the line. Like it's so dear ass faces. He, I, I, he, it, it, I I think on an on a regular listen they're pretty indistinguishable. Do you know what I mean? But I just think in terms of if you if you listen to the back to back, they are really close, and it looks like he's getting up to the line of going beyond homage. But I think he's also improving what he's working hmm. with. You know what I mean? Um, and I think for the purposes of the reanimator, it works beautifully. It works beautifully. Yeah. And I don't well, think I... that the original Psycho score would have worked as well. Do you know I mean? I think what he did to it makes it work better. So, yeah, okay. it made it more frenetic or something. And I, I agree with yeah. you. It, it really highlights the madness of Herbert as it goes through. The yeah, particular I... flavor of madness that he has, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, so yeah. So, that's, you know, and again, uh, you know, people can judge for themselves. You can go on to YouTube and you can, I'm sure there's like back-to-back versions of the, of the soundtracks. Um, how do you guys think it works as an adaptation of the Lovecraft material? I know we kind of covered that already, but mm-hmm. um, you know, do you think do you think it's a, a a good version of the story? I mean, I would say it absolutely probably is better than the source material. Do you know what I mean? Like it like, is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's better than the source. Yeah, I mean, this particular story. I mean, it's it's not a great Lovecraft story in the first place. So well, I, it, I like the I like the story. I think I mean I I kind of like it better than a lot of his other stories, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit more approachable, yeah. Yeah, it's more approachable. Like, cause sometimes Love, Lovecraft's big issue is he's hard to read. Sometimes, do you know what I mean? Because oh yeah, you know, and 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 this one is like you will not lose track of this plot because he repeats the plot at the beginning of each chapter because it's yep. recapped for the serialization, um, and and it's just a lot more structured and I don't know. I just I I I, I like it. This is maybe. But, I should, I should clarify professional work. So yeah, I was going to say, and I should clarify when I say it's not a great work. I mean, from the standpoint that it's not something like at the mountains of madness yeah. where he's aspiring to something greater. It's like, yeah, yeah it's just or, a pulpy, it's a pulpy story. He wrote, yeah. it's not, and it doesn't get right. into, it doesn't get deep into the themes that he's known for either. Oh um, yeah. 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 So, in either direction. And it doesn't get into the themes that he's not super well known for. Like one of my favorite Lovecraft stories is Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, which is a bright <laughs> and hopeful story yeah. of, of 
strange and alien beauty, you know? And, like, notably, yeah. Nyarl Lothotep gets outwitted and beaten by the pr protagonist of that one. So, like, yeah. he's not that that just, That's his homage. That's Lovecraft doing his homage to Lord Dunsany, too. So that's, uh, that's oh, like, okay. Lovecraft that, that not even... That explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, for people that play the RPG, it's like, obviously, the RPG tried to enmesh that into the into the Lovecraftian universe, but really it's an entirely different thing. Lovecraft is doing. It's like a whole separate subgenre of his writing. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I do think though the movie is definitely better. I mean, it, it obviously had, it's, it's more known. Do you know what I mean? Like most people haven't read the original story, I think, but a lot of people know the movie. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a reason for it. It's not just because it's old. Because, I mean, people know Lovecraft. Lovecraft's famous. But for some reason, that story I does think, not get the traction that... Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that Lovecraft wasn't that famous when this movie came out, too. It's like Lovecraft is mm. almost meme-like at this point as something you can kind of bring up. And even people that haven't read him kind of have a familiarity. It's yeah. like, at this point, until, like I said, the, the first time my friend broke out Call of Cthulhu at probably 85 or 86, whatever it was, none of us knew who this guy was. It was yeah, like... I, I never encountered him out of gaming circles. And then that's that was my first little dose of Lovecraft. I, yeah, I, I encountered him from the obituary cover that, uh, that, yeah. that had the same art that they used for the H.P. Lovecraft books and uh -huh. through the Ravenloft book. Because in Ravenloft, they mentioned Lovecraft a lot. And so those were my big, I think those are probably my big introductions to Lovecraft. And then yeah, was, and Ravenloft was like, was that, that was. It wasn't, it wasn't really Lovecraftian, but like. He oh, no, had I'm a saying lot time period wise. I'm saying, you know, you would have encountered that later, I'm assuming, right? Or. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, Ra Ravenloft, the box set, I think came out in 1990 or 91. Yeah. And that's probably yeah. when I was starting to get into Lovecraft, I would imagine. Because I would say, I, I would say that the early 90s is when Lovecraft kind of started to get wider okay. wider circulation in a kind of geek circles and then kind of extended beyond okay. that because now you kind of start i mean i feel like this movie was kind of even though it's so unlovecraftian in a lot of ways i think this movie is really kind of what kick-started the familiarity with the name and that is you know i i think the, the movie was sometimes called hp lovecraft's reanimator on the cover okay of the of the video cassette so and it then, was like and obviously he did do the director did another lovecraft story like a year later yeah. too so um, yeah so yeah so uh, uh why don't we talk about some of the characters that we can get into some of the other things mm -hmm. we've already talked about herbert west so do we have anything else to say about him or are we done discussing herbert west as a character oh, i think we could probably talk about him a whole lot are there any highlights or specific scenes because for me i really wanted to uh point out like going back to his weird like academic achievement based morality when he decapitates the professor the only thing he does to insult him after this lifetime of evil this done is this guy has done has been like you're a plagiarist then he decapitates him yeah. like that's the <laughs> he one does, stinger well, also that he, he really he has a, i love how he has a really efficient way of speaking he doesn't even say you are a plagiarist he just says plagiarist it's like oh, the right. cat yeah. dead details later memo. It's all very precise <laughs> and efficient. Um, everything about him is neat and organized in the way he, he delivers it. And yeah, that that yeah, it gets into such messes. 
I mean, that yeah. scene is obviously famous, and that scene kind of. I think I think you can you can really get a lot about his character in that scene because that that is the scene again that I mentioned with the eye watering. Where you know mm. you see that that like I mean he looks vulnerable in that scene and then he kills somebody. Do you know what I mean? It's and yeah, I think that's his the... first murder, right? Uh, uh, well, well that we know of. Say. I mean yeah, we we don't know what happened with Gruber. Past. It depends on what went down with. It's Gruber. his first on-screen murder. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah uh, okay. But I do like his. I do, and I do like how put out he is there. You know that she's gone into his room too. It's like you know you killed the cat. Yeah. It's like oh, you went into my room. Yeah, you know, yeah. Boom, yeah, like back in your line. face. Well, one thing <laughs> I want to get into. Bad. He seems to have a habit of lying a lot. Um, you know, like yeah. the thing about the cat. There's a few other like later on when um, when when he's trying to persuade Dan like why he had to kill Doctor Hill. You know, and, and Dan is initially like upset at him, but then he says, but he, he, he wanted to make you disappear too. Like he, like he, he tries to, you know, and I don't is think that, that a lie though, that he wanted to make him disappear. I, I'm trying I don't, to, well, I think it's an assumption he might've made, but I don't think that we ever actually got, did we get confirmation that I don't know. That's why I, I'm, I'm literally asking the question. I'm I, not, I, I, I think obviously he does want Dan to disappear yeah. because he's got designs on, you know. I, on his girlfriend. But. I think it's a reasonable conclusion, and maybe there was something in that file that I didn't see. Like maybe there was like a picture of Dan with like a an X through his face or something. But I uh, guess I guess to support your argument that he is lying, I don't think at this point in the movie he's later in the movie is the point where he's amused at the fact that the doctor has this crush on the girl. I think I don't think we yeah. have, a, a, or have we? I I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to remember now. He, 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 you watched it three times. Funny. So okay. I think he he is amused by it in that scene. I think because I think that's when Dan tells him about the folder. Oh, Jimmy, because yeah, he says he better. wanted he wanted you to disappear too, and then he says, "Oh, that's why he did this," and that's and oh, he has, okay. I I could okay. be wrong, but I think that's how it goes down. I think another thing about his character too is he's um he's actually kind of smooth. Like he's actually a very charming guy, even though he's be- like a little bit belligerent and like mean. He. I feel like Herbert West, if he wasn't dedicated to reanimating dead tissue, could have become a ladies' man or could have become a great public speaker. Do you know what I mean? It's just that he chose not to be those things. Do you know what I mean? like there's because he has these suave moments where he he deflects what could be a catastrophic exchange. Do you know what I mean where like you killed my cat? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't kill your cat. I, you know, well, what was I going to do? Send you a memo? And, and he just he has all these answers for every it's it's actually very smooth and very disarming i i find um and and there are quite a few scenes like that yeah he's uh i mean yeah obviously he is he is very quick on his feet so like you say he is he is a very deceptive person and quick to 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 kind of put people off guard he uh you know he kind of goes on the attack immediately when someone questions him on something but he also knows he like understands people like when when he's trying to convince him to to uh to reanimate the dean and it's not like you know he's and 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 dan's obsessed with the details he should be obsessed with the dean is dead and we keep and (laughs) and 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 herbert is still obsessed with reanimating him you know he says you know we can bring him back to life do you know what i mean he he knows just what to say 
to persuade him. And, and it's actually convincing because it's like, well, that would solve my problem. If he were to come back to life, I won't be charged with murder potentially. You know, and, and, and it'll, it'll <laughs> swash any... won't hate me yes. for killing her father. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he, he does lie in that scene, though, because Herbert's in charge of all the lies and the security guard shows up. He's like, okay, here's the lie sequence of events that happened. And he's over in the corner there. Yeah, so, he, okay, there is some smooth, quick lies. Those, he those he weaves lies. a whole book of lies in that scene. And, mm-hmm. and, but the thing and is... he does so with, like, immediacy and with conviction. Yes. It completely holds together. He looks yeah. sincere yeah. as he's doing... It's always very sincere the way it's delivered. And uh, so, I don't know, I just, I just feel like there's, like, another level to his character of... that. You know, he he's, he's meant to be this nerdy scientist character that doesn't really care for social norms and stuff but he's obviously aware enough of them that he can capitalize on them when he needs to to persuade people you know so it's it's like he just chooses to bulldoze over these these social lines rather yeah well, it's, it's it's interesting thing too because like we have his complete disregard like complete amusement at the doctor having this crush on this co-ed and you know he just seems to have like a complete disregard for for human sexuality entirely yeah. which brings us around to people going is this lovecraftian because obviously hey people people who get upset about this movie are like oh there's all this sex in it and there's like absolutely no romance or sex of any kind anywhere in Lovecraft's work to the point where it's something people remark upon. So you almost have to wonder if that is a almost deliberate trait. They kind of threw in there as a kind of a Lovecraft tie in. It could be. And I think in the sequels, I feel like, well, I don't know. It gets more complicated. I think in the sequels, but those are, yeah, I haven't seen the sequels. So I'm Um, not, uh, but I mean, I haven't seen the sequels either, but I did see uh, From Beyond, and I think in both cases that kind of like trashy, pulpy, hypersexualized element is something that like isn't really true to Lovecraft's style. Oh, it's totally yeah. untrue to Lovecraft. I'm just saying having having the personality trait on West is all I'm reg- saying. Yeah, no, the tone yeah, of the I, movies is. Though I will like, say, in From Beyond, that totally worked. The uh, the, yeah. the 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 main guy, the bad guy. Who sort of is like a Ricardo Montalban type person? Yeah, I mean, like he really he's is. got like he's got like a, like I I don't remember exactly, but I feel like he was wearing some kind of like smoking jacket thing. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Like a like a like definitely a Hugh Hefner type outfit. It, 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 you know, you. But <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> but 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 oddly enough, the the Jeffrey Combs character in that movie kind of had a similar type of like like. His sex, like there was definitely a weird sexuality thing going on with his character in that one, but it was kind of similar to here, where it was like there was massive repression going on, or do you know what yeah, I mean? I like, the, oh yeah, yeah. The feeling of there being something wrong and that coming out in terms of this kind of like, not even like repressed, but almost like an anesthetized sexuality in terms of Herbert in this movie. Like that's that is pretty uniquely Lovecraftian. I, I think you might be onto something. Because well, he's making life. He's making life, right? So like, yeah. it definitely is like an outlet for that. And this is a smart movie, so I think we can we can assume it, it's aware. It is so mm-hmm. weirdly smart for how dumb it allows itself to act. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that's so great about it. It's 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 like it's not afraid to like you know 
to just be a like a normal fun movie, but it also is operating on a high level, and it's a really tight... yeah, it's surprisingly cerebral. Um, oh. And a lot of the the jokes and humor are operating on this kind of like removed level that is really charming on a review. Mm-hmm. So now, what about the? Uh, we should talk about the. Um... Uh, Dr. Hill character because mm-hmm. you know he number one the performance is really good too like that's a really like he had like Herbert West has a lot of good lines and Dr. Hill has the other good lines I think in this movie and yeah. a lot of people have commented I think like Red Letter Media probably mentioned this and I know I've seen it elsewhere he really looks a lot like John Kerry and he sounds a lot like John Kerry and I think yes. that's pretty on I, I noticed that watching yeah. it this time myself we, which actually works, given that he's supposed to be like from an elite New England university and all this stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah. makes sense. Um, but what did you think of the character? What did you think of the performance and the, you know, how he functioned as a villain? That was a delicious performance. I mean, like, first of all, it, it was just a joy to watch that dude act. Um, but like, as far as like, does it work? Does it work? Listen to me. Does it work? Yeah, it it really works both in terms of it being kind of pulp and over the top and like almost like cartoonish in how villainous and like vain and cruel and lascivious and weird the the bad guy is but also like it works structurally in that weird cerebral level because he's sort of the opposite of Herbert West and becomes a well, okay so a, a duo protagonist is a dude uh deuteragonist what's a duo antagonist a, a duo antagonist is that how you would say that? It's a secondary antagonist, because Herbert himself is a bad guy. And then this guy's a bad guy to the bad guy, but also just a bad guy. Well, is and is yeah, well, yeah but Herbert West is kind of the star of, of the of the movie, isn't he? Like I know we're supposed to associate ourselves with Dan, but but Herbert's well, the main of, Dan really is kind of the sidekick. As he, yeah. you referred to him as the E did you refer to him yeah, as he's the, the Igor? Igor. He's yeah. the, and in the he's book the he was he was the narrator in the original story, basically. I yeah. don't know if he was named yeah. Dan, but he was he was you know that but like and i think i've even heard that that he actually is that like that technically that character might be the first igor like character in the frankenstein story in terms of that might be where they got the idea okay. i don't know i don't know i've only i've heard somebody mention well that. actually you know you that that might be accurate because that there was no igor in actual frankenstein yeah. but like there absolutely was an igor uh, or an igor archetype in that yeah. and it's a pretty old story huh yeah yeah, and again, it's somebody a... else's idea. It was on some review I saw online. Well, uh, who, whosoever they are, they are clever, and that was a really good parallel to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I forget where we were going with all that. But uh, I might. Oh uh, yeah, I kind of lost so, my, my. So, but anyways, the 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 Doctor Hill we're character. Talking... Doctor Hill. We're talking about Doctor Hill. Doctor Hill. Yeah. We're also excited yeah. about this movie. We're just talking over wow. each other. But yeah, Doctor Hill. Though I have to say, David Gale, the actor. It's like I had to go to Wikipedia to look him up. I'm like, what else was he in? Yeah. And it's like he's got such a small career of movies yeah. I've never heard of. And I was like, wow, okay, he never did anything else of note that I can find aside from Reanimator movies, which was a surprise to me. I was like, he seems like someone who could have had a a yeah. bigger career. I was surprised too because I was like, I feel like I've seen him in other movies, but I haven't, you know. And yeah, and he's well, so obviously good. it's something I saw back in the early, in the mid '80s, you know. So he's probably I was probably remembering him from this movie yeah. as a as a memorable thing more yeah. than anything else. And he, but... and he does kind of look like some other actors that played similar yeah. types of roles, which maybe that's why he didn't get those roles. I don't know, but mm. could be, uh, could yeah. be. Yeah. But 
but yeah, I I thought he was tr- tremendously good, and and I I don't know, I just I just loved, I love the whole thing with the body, the way the body like is amped. Oh my the, the, god! It's sort of like it's like a it's like a Two Stooges type thing where the head is like the brain <laughs> and the body is like the slapstick humor, and yeah. and I yeah. and also just how 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 delicious like even from the be- he's already evil before he becomes the bad guy in the movie right like he's already he's already lobotomizing his colleague in order to steal yeah, somebody's idea do you know what I mean? he's got keeping, keeping creepy files on college girls yeah too. yeah I mean, no he's a, he's a bad guy uh, coming back from the dead just externalizes his already yeah. horrible evil so and then yeah. just the the drooling creepiness you know when he when he when, with that with the head scene you know it's just yeah that yeah. but the but the but the enthusiasm of that performance is so it may like him and barbara crampton together really work in that scene because i think if the performances if there was any awkwardness it would really show do you know what i mean like that that yeah. could that 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 could have come off in a different way with different well, actors it's, it's a it's mm-hmm. always got to be a delicate yeah. scene, like yeah. shooting something like that. But and like hats off to Barbara Cranston, like she, man, she acted to the hilt in that scene, and you really bought the performance. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's clear they were professional and capable, and it made the scene a lot more watchable as a result because it's some dark subject matter. And, and what I've heard in two, I, I heard this from the Red Letter Media uh, account, and I heard it on another one. I apparently. I don't know if this is true because I wasn't able to look it up and confirm it, but his wife divorced him over that scene. Like his wife, <laughs> wow. his wife was present and she stood up and objected and said, is this what you do for a living? And apparently they were divorced soon after that. And people say wow. that's why I, I don't know, you know, so, so maybe that's also why we don't see him in those kind of roles. Uh, he got remarried. The... He's like, I never want you to watch any of my movies. Yeah. I'm just going to act like I'm not an actor. Yeah. But hit, uh, because he was a great actor, he got away with it. So, um, so do any other characters? Uh, you know, obviously, the 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 Megan Halsey character is uh, she's the girlfriend, but you know, she's I think she's good in this. I think I think that she you know does a tremendous job, and she's like yeah, it's, like it's a bit of a functional role. But there's a lot of scenes like that when we were mentioning the the yeah. head scene that demand a lot of an actress. And man, she nails every single scene that she's in. So, I gotta, yeah, I gotta I mean, admit. It's just like kind of fairly dramatic scenes, like the scene where she talks to Dan after her after her father's been reanimated and she's like you know it's it's like she does well with that. I mean, that's a that's a pretty meaty scene there too. It's uh you know who's also yeah. kind of an unsung hero of this is I think his name was Mace, the security guard. Was his the security name? guard, oh, yes. yes. There's yes. something about that guy. Like he he's he's operating in the background a lot of time, but he <laughs> he's really important for making that place believable. And yeah. he just adds this tone, this like because he, he obviously doesn't really care about his job that much. He he kind of no. wants to, you know, he wants to he wants to look at nudie magazines and go on lunch breaks. Like that's all we ever really you know, see him doing, yeah. you're, but he's you're pers- going to be here. Okay, yeah. great. I don't need to be watching yeah. the place. So I'm going to take off for a bit. See ya. <laughs> but it's done in such a personable way that you feel yeah. like he's your friend. Do you know what I mean? There's like a, yeah, there's a believability to the acting of that part. And uh, yeah, he, he's a delight in every scene that he's in. And especially again, because it's one of those, more or less functional roles that's just kind of there for a comedic beat. And then at the end of the movie, when things go completely off the rails, 
he's got a lot that's put on his shoulders to make him yeah. a believable human character still, and he still pulls it off. And you so, also, yeah. you need you need to believe that people are actually sneaking in and out of this um, this, this, <laughs> this morgue. morgue yeah. yeah. And, and and with that character in place, you're like, oh, I get why people are able to sneak in and out of the morgue so often, because they, they establish that he's, uh-huh. you know, he's got these other things that he's tending to, and so he's not really yeah, paying and, as much attention to. Well, yeah, they, exactly. They, they give you scenes early in the movie of Dan going in and out of the morgue, yeah. so it doesn't seem a weird thing. It yeah. just, it's like, yep, he's in and out of there all the time. Well, it's, I mean, uh, the first line from the security guard is that. It was like, why would you even need me? I'm not, I'm just, <laughs> you know, yeah. no one's getting out of here. Who'd want to come down? I'm going to yeah. go take a lunch. It's perfect. Which yeah. is an odd line, because I was thinking about that. I was like, well, do they have security guards at morgues? I don't know. And I guess it would be something you might need, because people there probably are people that try to steal bodies for well, a variety Well, also, of too, I mean, bodies can be evidence in a crime, too. Yeah. So, I mean, there it makes sense to have some kind of security. So, yeah. But, yeah, uh, but he is, is kind of like... It's also believable that the guard would not have his whole life dedicated around being the perfect security yeah. guard. So, yeah. I, th- I thought it worked. Um, yeah. Now, what about Dr. Herod? The, um, she's not really a big role, but she, I don't know, she has a presence. The, the doctor who's kind of in charge of Dan at the beginning of the movie. Oh, the yeah. Woman. She's in she, uh, From Beyond as from well. From Beyond, too. Yeah. The, I think yeah. a bigger role in that, if I recall. Yeah, but... she gets her brain eaten out through her eye, I think. In, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think she was perfect. I like... I, you know, I, I I like the fact she is just kind of hard on him at the beginning of the movie. I like I like the way she kind of has a touch of sympathy in the final scene too. Yeah. It's just it's a really subtle but nice touch to that performance. Could be easy just to be yeah I'm the hard ass doctor and that's it. But she kind of gives it just that little extra note that yeah. makes it makes it a human being. She's got an edge to her. Like you're a little bit afraid of her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something about it that makes you a little bit afraid, which I like. Yeah. And uh, I guess that leaves uh, the Dean, who we've kind of already talked about. And again, my only note on him is he goes, I basically said what you said. He's like the Dean from a standard 80s movie. But then he becomes, mm-hmm. like, by the time he's in that straitjacket, he really does look like a more of a Rodney Dangerfield type character. And it's, I think, I think it's a striking, it's, it's a really weird juxtaposition whenever you, if you watch it again and you see him in the beginning of the movie and you're, and you know he's going to that destination it's it's just like a they couldn't be more opposite uh but also the thing i like about his character is just how he starts out as like like almost like the best future father-in-law in the world and then becomes the worst future father-in-law in the world early on in the do you know what i mean like yeah i have to say if the movie could have done one thing a little better it's like there was never a particularly good reason for him to be like no one, you know, like, you know, it's like, OK, Dan is presented early in the movie as he's this, you know, really great medical student. I mean, I get it being, you know, I can see him being like restrictive about curfew hours yeah. or something, but just like, you know, just he's he's like, why does he I felt like maybe there should have been a little well, more groundwork on why he was so I kind of so, agree. I kind of, But I also think they did do some of that, like the. Uh-huh. they establish that he's really puritanical, right? Like the daughter says, yeah. like, you know, he's the last living Puritan, and that's obviously the issue. And when he said, and the, the moment when he actually starts to get angry, I think in that scene, he was already angry, but when he really goes over the line is when he says, and and your daughter was saw it as well, and she knows about the experiment. And he's like, you involving Meg in your insanity? 
But also that kind of suggests that Meg was maybe doing something with him. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it just, I think it plants the idea that there might've been shenanigans going on that the okay. father would be displeased with. Do you know what I mean? Because didn't it happen in the middle of the night or the, like they were. The, well, I'm just saying like, even before that, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, like I said, there's, it's, it's kind of set up that there's yeah. he's already had this, you know, yeah. you can't date my daughter thing before that. And, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know, but, but, but it's also not a big the, deal. It's just the, a, a minor minor note that kind of struck me but no i do agree with you in that like i had to kind of think about it too to like like i feel like the reasons are there if you search for them but it's not Uh as clear as a lot of the other everything else the movie is very clear and that one you're kind of like why does he why does he kind of go from being like hey my future son-in-law is a great student to you know you will not date my daughter you are expelled and your student loan is like you know is it he just goes nuclear nobody's business Um, but i mean like it's not unusual or completely like beyond believability that someone would go nuclear if like a circumstance as extreme as the one he encountered happened, you know? And like, that's the thing granted, there should have probably been a little more groundwork into that sort of puritanical dimension, but like, it's not the biggest part of this movie. And like this movie's got a lot to to lift. So I I can see why they sort of deprioritize it. It's a legitimate complaint, but and, yeah, and maybe, I, maybe I, it was I, the I, nonsense. I'll admit myself yeah. it's minor, well, but you but, know, we're doing a podcast. And I'm no, no, I think I think what Adam's out. talking about is fair though, because I also thought that <laughs> when um he he immediately we never really see him take a turn on Herbert West either. Because at the uh-huh. he's the one who introduces Herbert West. So you assume, oh, he's like happy to have this guy as a new student, and Herbert is walking around like he runs the place, so you yeah. know, it seems like he's okay with him, and then suddenly being associated with herbert west is this bad thing i feel yeah i I mean because basically i kind of feel like they should have given given dr hill a little like just a little maybe one more extra scene to poison you know him against those two more than more than he does just that would have i think if you were going to change it that would have been the change to make like but, something more more concrete there. But uh, what I but what I will say about that scene because he does at the dinner, like you're saying, he says, "Is it a good idea for him to date your daughter?" Basically, and, I know. And he, I and, know. He, and I think it's, he comments on Herbert West as well. I don't remember. Oh, I know. I think there, there's a little hint of it. Yeah. I just feel like you know something more concrete yeah. that he he presents to to. But it's not a big deal anyway. It's well, just, I think what they could have really done too is they could have maybe brought up the because he does mention that Doctor Hill is a grant machine. They could have brought the, yeah. you know, if they well, raised yes. that issue again, that might have <laughs> yes. that might have made it more apparent, you know, what the the dean was thinking or because you don't know. That's the thing. Like, there's all these possible explanations. It could be the puritanical streak. It could be because Doctor Hill is an influential money making machine for the university, or it could be because he doesn't put up with nonsense like you know talk about bringing the dead back from yeah, you know yeah. yeah. But 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 we don't know, and 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 so it's a little bit confusing. So I I, I, I tend to agree with you on on that one, but 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 yeah, also I like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, and I, I have to bring up one scene just out of the blue that just struck me as a great scene. It's the one where where Hill is in the office with uh with with uh with Megan, and you know, and it's when her father is in the in the cell behind them in the padded room, you know, through the window, and he's kind of kind of doing his seduction move towards her, and then the 
you know, and then her father bashes against yeah. the window and just, you know, terrifies her and breaks the mood. And, and Dr. Hill just gets mad at him. Like, you you know, you blew it, you yeah. fool. You ruined Wish. my, like, as if he was he was being really successful or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> you totally would have gone for me if you hadn't broken the mood. Well, it's just, it's just such a great, it a shows, great darkly comic moment. It shows how out of touch his character is because he's basically yes. delivering the worst news about the father possible to her and saying he I wants know. to do this exploratory surgery. And then he's trying to hit on her in like the, yes. and, and he's trying to hit on her while he's also saying like, you can come to me if you need any, it's a very, it's, <laughs> so it's like, he's just throwing everything at her. And he has no idea how to be a human being. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's one of the things, and I commented on that earlier, that makes him such an interesting foil for Herbert West, who also has no, no idea about how to be a human being, but is slightly more successful in manipulating people. Yeah. See, yeah. I think I think yeah. Herbert West knows how to be a human being, but chooses not to be. And this guy doesn't. Yeah. You know, like, like I feel like with Herbert West, it's like, no, I'm put on Earth to reanimate dead bodies. That is, that is what I'm here to do. And anything that interferes with that is non-essential. So I'm jettisoning it. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, but I just get the sense that if he wanted to be the best violinist in the world, he could have been that too. It's just you know, it's just, and there is like an odd scene early on where Dr. Hill is talking about, and I, he's talking about, um, you know, how, how you can't bring the dead back from life. Basically. He's talking about the six to 12 minutes thing and all that. And he says, everybody wants a magic pill. Everybody wants a beautiful afterlife. And he starts talking about how maybe it's about force of will and all this stuff. And then I think he gets interrupted by the pencil mm -hmm. breaking or something. He <laughs> gets to, but he's going into an interesting territory because it gets both into the herbert west character and into the hill character where herbert west almost by force of will is just breaking the barrier of of life and death it's just this it's it's like he's just relentless in his pursuit of this and dr hill is uh is his i think his only successful subject reanimation right? yeah yeah and that's the thing dr hill uniquely has again this kind of will that lets him retain his personality and volition after he's reanimated even though he's just a head <laughs> yeah know, yeah he's the one that shouldn't pieces. even be functioning right like he's the one that it makes the least sense that he would be <laughs> operational but for some reason he is in, and, and i think it goes back to that speech he gives about the will and uh hmm. you know yeah yeah i never considered that actually but that is a good point well because and the thing is in the sequel i think he has one other success which is the bride of the reanimator basically <laughs> um, and but it's a woman he cobbles together from a patient and they actually use the heart of meg uh that that's kind of how he gets dan on board with the whole project yeah. is we're yeah, gonna I've bring never meg tried parts before yeah. if i recall but, is his line yeah but... so so maybe parts. it's because it's parts, but I, I feel like it's more the, the will thing. Um, uh, but I think it's that interesting. Makes, that makes more sense yeah. than, than the parts thing. Uh, I, I do think it's just very interesting that Dr. Hill is like his only real success and every one of the other ones is, um, uh, you know, unsuccessful. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, you know and, and he's sort of obsessed with the freshness, but we know that it's not just the freshness because the, Dr. Halsey is fresher than dr hill right like mm -hmm. uh, or right close to it and indefinitely more intact yeah and doesn't have anywhere near the amount of personality retention 
So there's a little, there's a couple of sparks, but yeah, you feel like he's just kind of going from like the core animal instinct. Well, it's not um, even. Like the... Well, and and I'm not even clear on what it is because like he's just kind of sitting in the corner weeping, really. Like that's like it's not it's not like a psychotic reaction like the other ones had. So he seems to have more of his mind, but then, you know. And, and I, I don't know at what point he gets lobotomized either. So that would be, that's yeah. yeah. That's um, but, but yeah, but he definitely, but, but, but Hill is in full command. Hill is like immediately rebuking West. He's immediately like, you bastard, you did this to me. And like yeah. just pounds his head First into the words. desk and tries <laughs> and, and, and just sets out to take over the world right away. It's, it's not <laughs> even a thought. He just, you know, he, he's still the Dr. Hill that he was in life he's just more menacing that's really all that's changed he is a little more extreme and desperate in his strategy yeah. as well i think that probably that's because he's a head in a turkey pan yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is a great thanksgiving movie by the way <laughs> well and you gotta i love how that they get you to just not even worry about the 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 biomechanics of how any of it like the you yeah know, he's the, the hardest one to swallow on a, an, I don't know, I hesitate to say scientific basis, but like on the basis of believability is the, there's a living head and a living body and they're not attached, but they're on the same team. That uh -huh. doesn't make any sense. But by the time we get to it in the movie, you're like, well, okay, well, whatever. And they do yeah. actually kind of try to explain it in the sequel. But the, the, th the other thing that, the thing that I have a harder time with than that is the, uh, the, the blood in the pan. Because there's yeah. no there's no circulation, so there's no. Wait, what's he <laughs> pumping it with his jaw? Yeah, and also when he's in the bag and he and he and he opens the bag and he breathes and says, "Ah, that's better." What is he breathing into? He's got no lungs, lungs. right? So yeah. I know. How was he making noise? It, it could like... just be a phantom impulse, maybe. But like, you know, it, it seems like there's force behind it, though. Yeah, yeah. like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but, but again, you don't really worry about those in the moment that you're watching no. it. Cause it's just a, you know, it, it just seems to work somehow. Um, so yeah, so I know, uh, what else do we want to talk about here? I don't know if we've I, I say everything. we talk about the very last explosive scene with every like lobotomized mind slave corpse coming up and then just getting this horrific fight. Like that, in terms of like, not only was it good, like, did it look good? It did looked the great. I thought. I thought, I mean, again, yeah. the, the effects are a little bit wonky at times, but I feel like. I feel like there was almost like a, uh, I don't know, there there was like a, a, there was something, there was something kind of magical about the scene where there's like this plume of, of, of acidic vapor in the air and there are these corpses, you know, running around and the father is holding them at bay and you have Meg and Dan in the foreground. And it, it just, I don't know, it looked really stunning to me that, that I moment. Think... It's one of those movies where, you know, metaphorically, you can see the wires a lot of time and you know exactly how they're doing a special effect, but you never care. It's like yeah. everything, everything is done with such an intensity and love that it just, it just carries through, you know, it's like, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the headless scenes are like that. You're like, yeah, I can see what they're doing here, but it works. And I think, and again, I think the fact that it's a horror comedy really like, when you have yeah. that much death going on against the the background of comedy noise, it, it's it, it's almost makes it worse. It makes it more horrifying. I feel like so because it's like yeah. the, you know it, it's sort of like it's like when the comedian dies that type of thing. And I feel like 
again, because it, it, it ends on a downer with Herbert West being something about being wrapped up in intestines like that. Just maybe it's just me because I saw it at a young age. But that to me is like it, it, it's a real interesting representation of death. Like because you're you're immediate like I, it must have been the first time I ever even saw an intestine. Do you know what I mean? Like this, and but you're 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 aware of like what the inside of the human body is and maybe how fragile it is and that's also what's killing him and he and he and and he's just 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 being just in a moment just snuffed out and then the same thing happens to Meg she's about to escape and she's snuffed out so it's just this real like you know death is inevitable there's this inevitability <laughs> yeah. of death in the yeah, like, yeah it I really remember, feels I like the... watch... oh like, no go ahead I was gonna say, yeah, I know when I watched it as a kid back when it first came out. I mean, yeah, it, the ending was pretty grim for me then. I mean, obviously, I, I took it more serious. I'm more jaded. Yeah, and can just take it, take it for what it is now. But yeah, I, I was a little unsettled at the end with uh, with with that definitely. Well, and I think it's a good kind of unsettling. It's like a oh yeah, it's like it's, it's like it's unsettling. I love the movie it like makes you think. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like a, there's like thought in there somewhere. Um, yeah. but I don't know, Joel, you look like you wanted to say something or am I misreading you? No, no, I was just gassy. Oh, okay. I mean, I do want to say stuff, but I was going to wait for an appropriate Much like the it. body that released the intestines, <laughs> you were gassy. What? Um, was it gassy? Yeah, there was a big, clue, there was like a little pretty... gust of gas that came out of its chest when it opened uh, up. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful I, I, little I assume that that was like <laughs> bowel gas, but, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, it's probably because it was a decomposing body, but that's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why I would assume it had gas. Um, oh, God. I, But, yeah, it, that that scene, I think what you're, like, and I agree with you, like, tonally that it both shifts but never loses its appropriateness because it's really goofy but has this kind of, like, mounting stakes and grimness as it as it carries yeah. on and drags all the characters into death and there's a real like because the the short story had that too where it was kind of like there was this sort of like poetic philosophy at the core of it where it's like you can't really beat death yeah. you know yeah. the the flesh is gonna take its toll and drag you back down to the underworld and the last scene of this movie although it is is comedic and a little zany like tonally is identical to that scene which also is one of the the weirdest scenes in the short story where like they have like just skeletons coming back to life with no flesh on their bones and like really kind of outlandish stuff like that but it it kind of makes it border into the mythical and um yeah i really i really like it as well so that's that's the thing i had to say between all the gas yeah and and i do like how it comes full circle with dan where he he starts at the beginning of the movie trying to resuscitate a person that doesn't work (laughs) and he's doing that with meg and then he uses the reanimate the 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 the, the reagent uh on the uh uh, honor yeah we also get to see the outcome but we do hear a blood-curdling shriek over the credits and and one of the disappointments of the sequel is it undermines the um obviously that would have led to a you know it's perfect the way it ends because like ah that's exactly how this movie should end you know meg screams and she's been reanimated and who knows where that goes and yeah and in the in in this in the next movie we're not told exactly what followed but it we we know that they end up with just her heart they don't you know so she doesn't end up was that she was basically doing a soap opera Mm -hmm. when they made the second movie so they had to work in a different actress which led to them doing all I f- that i assumed it so. was something like that because it seemed like yeah. you would obviously get barbara crampton back in that role if you could yeah and, I was, and she came back for from yeah. beyond and yeah. stuff so it's not like she was averse to making a sequel she just couldn't 
couldn't do it. She was just but, busy. But they did get everybody else back for the most part. Um, uh-huh. But uh, at least the people that were still survivable. And they and they retcon, I think, some of what happened to the head too, because that head gets crushed, <laughs> and the head. Is, That's and, and true, also yes. the the other the other one little funny thing is there is that line where he says, uh, you know. Get a job in a sideshow, I think is what he yeah. says to him. Who's going to believe a head, a talking head? And it, they find the head in a circus. Like the head uh-huh. it, it literally ends up as part of a sideshow. He show. even plagiarizes it, the insult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, on the whole accuracy to Lovecraft thing, I find it interesting that this is a movie where people really, where Lovecraft purists like to get upset about it. But I find another thing in a lot of Lovecraftian movies that, they, that people get away with, which I find is, is more an affront to Lovecraft, is that, you know, Lovecraft was in real life this really, really, you know, strict atheist. He was extremely atheist and he kind of tried to put that into all his, you know, not all, but like most of his stories was something he tried to bring across. Like, you know, I mean, to get into the story of Call of Cthulhu briefly, it's like, yeah, there are Cthulhu cults that worship Cthulhu and stuff, but there's never any sense Cthulhu cares about them. Mm-hmm. There's never any sense they're getting supernatural powers from them. There's never any sense they actually have any effect on Cthulhu waking up or not waking up. It's just people trying to any 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 like, you know, any of these things in Lovecraft are generally people just kind of making stuff up around these this phenomena whereas people who are lovecraftian purists often get less upset about movies where they're actually people where where people can actually bring a god into the world with their ritual or something and it's like no lovecraft was actually kind of mocking that concept in his work when you get into it and uh so I, i find it kind of funny that this movie which is philosophically pretty dark and Mm-hmm. You know, as comedies go, and kind of, I feel like this is actually more Lovecraftian than a lot of movies that Lovecraftian fans are okay with are, you know, basically. Well, I, I find a lot of Lovecraft fans are actually August Derleth reinterpreted Lovecraft fans, exactly. and that's a very different kind of Lovecraft than the original exactly. one. You see my Lovecraft purism coming yeah, I, out there. Yeah, because I, I never actually Derleth. read the, um, the Lovecraft stories by other writers. I've only read the Lovecraft stories by lovecraft himself um and i and i I have noticed when i talk to people about lovecraft there's like an expanded universe that i'm not familiar with yeah nor do i care to become so uh, (laughs) yeah because really really when you get down to it lovecraft's horror is mainly science fictional i mean it's kind of there's there's other levels of dimensions and stuff but he's more science fictional in his work than 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 supernatural to an extent supernatural things in his work are usually just some kind of weird science that's kind of beyond us basically also this is one where i feel like and this kind of gets into a subject i sort of wanted to touch on which is like where is arkham exactly because it does this is where it's <laughs> set and it's set at miskatonic medical school right is that is that what they yeah, call you're it? you're the massachusetts guy so we'll we'll, yeah. well there is i mean well so my theory is because number one, I think a lot of people that talk about where Lovecraft's fictional places are, I don't think they really know Massachusetts that well, and they yeah. don't understand like you know, it's it's obviously some place like a lot of these are someplace north of Boston in most cases. I think they're generally fictional, but I think Arkham is really Danvers and Salem. I think those are the in oh, okay. Danvers for people who don't know Danvers is Salem Village. It's the original Salem Village where the witchcraft trials happen, or or where the witch 
where the where it began and then salem city it's salem town is like where the trials were held and it actually encompassed the whole essex county region it wasn't just that, that's a very lovecraft move to know that much about history and make that kind of in joke that only a true bostonian would know well i don't oh, know yeah. i don't i well again i'm sure a lot of people would disagree i'm just one person i want to be clear but my like i was looking at a map of um of, of lovecraft sketch of arkham mm-hmm. and it looks a lot there's a river i think it's like north river it might used to have been Namkeg river that separates beverly and salem and across the river is Water Street. And if, and I used to do delivery in Beverly. Across the river in Beverly is Water Street. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And there's also, and if you go down further, you see that there's the Witch House. And in Salem, there's the Witch House. In Salem, as if, you know, is one of the one of the victims of the of the witch trials. His house yeah. is sort of, you know, it's become like a, like a, almost like a museum. Um, and there's like a lot of other little things. And then there's the asylum that I just sent to you guys in the, uh, in the, in the chat. There's the, the, the Danvers, it's got a bunch of different names. I think it's like Danvers State Hospital is what it technically was, but most people called it like the Danvers Lunatic Asylum. And if you look at a picture of this place, it looks like a, it looks like Arkham Asylum. It's got like a, it's got a real, you know, it's got a vibe. Danvers, Danvers. The, the, the hospital that yeah. was where they shot uh session nine i think they yeah. shot at the at the hospital in uh and, for, in danvers i and, think that's uh, sure. where the act that that ruined ruined hospital in session nine. that is the actual place that brendan's talking about i know joel's seen that and again we, we should probably put that on the list at and some da- point and danvers yes. is uh Sal- you know salem village they just changed the name after the events because they didn't want to be associated <laughs> but uh so so i think i i i feel like that might be where Arkham is supposed to be is it, it, it may be a you know obviously it's fictional so who you know there's possibly yeah. other things in there but that and also like a lot of times people will say like this old seaside community and I forget the the there's the story where he sees the Necronomicon when he goes into the person's house and then he goes down the steps and there's like a uh, like an underground do you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah I can't think of the name I'm, of the story but. I think a lot of people say things like that's supposed to be Newburyport or a place like that. I think that's Marblehead. I think and and Marblehead is really close to Salem. It's right next I've, to it. Yeah, uh, I've heard I've heard Marblehead. Other people with that theory too. Okay, so, so, so you're not yeah. alone in that. Yeah, it feels yeah, I, well because also Marblehead is like an old New England. It's like a up, really like upper class old money type of place yeah. and. The whole thing about that town is there's kind of there's like an inbreeding type thing, like an old New England inbreeding type thing. I'm not saying Marblehead is inbred, but I'm just saying that like <laughs> if I had to pick a community where I would where I would You're do that kind of scenario where I'd have the old the old aristocratic inbred community. Mar- yeah. Marblehead might be one that I would pick like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, it makes sense. I mean, uh, it, it has that vibe I, to it. But uh, I, I, I actually, I have to say too, when I read, I read, I went back and read his stories maybe five to ten years ago. When I read Whisper in Darkness, when the character goes out to the the location in Whisper in Darkness. You know, there's there's actually like this detailed travel to wherever that takes place, and it was like I remember getting out Google Earth and just like <laughs> following, and I was like, yep. Yeah, yeah, he was describing. I'm like, I, I kind of ended up at this point way out in the middle of nowhere in like the, the backwoods of Massachusetts along the map. I'm like, oh, okay, this is where we are. And I, yeah, it just it just lined up totally. So I, I think it is fruitful to actually 
you know, find real geographical locations for all of Lovecraft stuff. It makes sense. Yeah. And again, I, it's just, you know, just ideas. I don't know for sure, but like, I definitely feel pretty confident that it would be in, in that area. And obviously he was from Rhode Island. So who knows how accurate he was even being, you know, like, sure. uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to get into, I think, before we uh, head out. Unless, did you have something that you wanted to add, Joel? You look like you wanted to say something a moment ago, and I didn't want. No, to... I just got to use the bathroom. So oh, okay, like, all right. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> then, then we'll try to wrap it up really quickly, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do you want to move on to like, uh, you know, final thoughts on the film? I mean, we have been going on for over an hour, so. Yeah, I think we've probably hit the point where uh, I'm, I'm losing stuff to say beyond just kind of glowing praise of the movie. Yeah, I was I was saving my whole thing about the movie being Lovecraftian, like more Lovecraftian movies people think are Lovecraftian for my final thoughts. So I've already blown my final thoughts. Okay. So I'm sorry. Well, I don't even know if I have any special final thoughts I haven't uh, covered so the, far. The one thing I do want to comment on, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't have any final thoughts because I said everything I had to say. But I did want to comment on the uh, on the green solution, the reagent. Yeah, that that color. Number one, it's like that that color was in the air that year. I feel oh, like okay. I feel like that was yeah. the color of the time. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of green glowing goop in movies. Yeah, that's, that's and like toys. the same stuff that uh, the Teenage Mutant Turtles used. You know, yeah, yeah. Of the secret of the ooze. Yes. It's... Like, I was really, I was kind of baffled about how they made that particular, like, look. And I was like, is it just, did they just crack open a glow stick and put it in a bottle? Like, is that what that is? It looks like a glow stick. I think it is. I think think it's either glow stick material or they rotoscoped it. Those are the two things that I could think of. It doesn't look rotoscoped at all to me. Yeah, it didn't look rotoscoped. But I was just thinking that was, but, but like, Tron... I was thinking of how Tron looked, and I was like, "Well, I guess yeah, they could have done what they did with." Yeah, they had a much bigger budget. They had Disney on their yeah. side. I don't. <laughs> they, I don't think this movie. Disney. I don't think this movie had the technology for that level. But yeah. I do. I do have to say, I love the way the movie closes. Like you said, there's the screen, but when when the movie goes dark, you still see you still see the green goo after yeah. the whole screen's gone dark, and the syringe just slowly slowly pushing that green goo in that's just that is that is great. That was a nice touch. And and I and I did want to say that. Uh, um, I, I I had seen the uh, I had seen the Bride the Reanimator ages ago, but I had not seen the third one that came out in the early two thousands. So I watched that this weekend, and yeah. that some of the interesting things about that one are he actually goes to prison, I think for <laughs> what he did in the second movie, um, and that's where the rest Could have been of the for film... the first movie though. We're not sure. It could have been a number of things. Well, no, because I'm yeah, no, but I I, th- I think it's right <laughs> after the events of the second movie, and it's just very it's very interesting to see how Herbert West conducts himself in prison. Is all I'll say. Like that, the, <laughs> that's that's one one reason to see that movie is just to see how he handles himself behind bars, and you know, uh, but. <laughs> But but anyways, yeah. So so it's it, I don't think this is one that you can see for free. I think Reanimator you have to rent right to see it on Prime. Well, actually, uh, I got a I got a free trial with Shutter that let me see it. And actually, I've done that a few times where Shutter's been like, I have another free trial. Okay, I really should give them my five ninety nine because there's a lot of great movies on that service. Yeah, I I think I should probably get on Shutter if we're keep doing this because I I think I would have already paid for itself on rental. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's worth, it's worth the three or $4 or whatever it is. It's a classic movie and I don't know, it's, it's, it's up there with, with, uh, 
uh, to me it's like up there with like return of the living dead and films like that like it just is oh. that kind of a film um and probably a little bit smarter than return <laughs> of the living dead um yeah. you know despite all of its brains um so <laughs> so with that we'll head out we'll be back with another episode what are we doing next do we have a uh, another schlock film lined up and and again i know that we're kind of being a little bit iffy with the schlockness here i uh yeah but... these have all been really high quality movies so far i feel like we may have failed in no i think we could recast it as like cream of the schlock or something cream of the schlock yeah i think i think that's what we're gonna have to do this is that because we've been covering really high level schlock do you know what i mean i think yeah. that's that's the way yeah. to go. oh no the stuff is the next one isn't it yeah oh, we are supposed stuff. to do the stuff oh yeah we which is funny stuff. I just have to say when I when I finished watching this on Prime, Prime always brings up that next movie it wants to autoplay. It was the stuff. It literally <laughs> yeah. tried to play the stuff for me. I was it like, knows. they know. Wonderful. <laughs> they know what we're about at Prime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So So yeah, so we will uh we will head out and I guess we'll be back with the stuff or I don't know, maybe we'll have to get into the December movies though. So we might have to put I don't know, we'll 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 see what happens. There's there's a there's a lot of movies vying for December. Um and uh, so uh until next time we will talk to you later. Uh